When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, Yes Chef listeners. Let me just set the scene for you. Uh, it's bloody freezing. We're at the top of Crouch Hill. We're having a cup of tea and we're waiting to see a very special man. The special man in question today is Max Halley of Max's Sandwich Shop. You'll know Max's Sandwich Shop because he does sandwiches. It's open late and you can get pissed in it. That's his words. Not Ben's, not Ben's. It's full of beans and we're really looking forward to this. So we're going to get ourselves in there, tuck up, tuck in and let's begin. We're at Max's Sandwich Shop and, and seeing it in the in the daylight is is awesome because you yeah. can really take in all, you know, the full dog spectrum over there on the cards. The You've got the classic... ephemera, <laughs> or as we call it... <laughs> The crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because normally when you get in here, you, you've had one or two drinks and you're going to have a few more. And it's often dark. True. Yeah. Yeah. Is that deliberate or is yeah. it just oh, yeah. time? Was it deliberate to go like, <laughs> I'm going to open a, well, a night shop before anything else? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that stems to the nighttime thing is more related to what I knew what what I knew that I'd be combating with sandwiches because mm. I wanted to try and turn Sarnie into something it hadn't quite been before. And I thought the first way to do that was to turn it into something that you could have for dinner and not for lunch. Make it special again. Yeah, make it a meal, not a kind of glorified snack or, you know. What if you go double sandwich? Because traditionally, lunchtime, you're going to have a sandwich. And then do you double sandwich? Yeah, what, what, me personally or people here? Well, both, all of us. All of us? Yeah. Let's uh, make a general yes, assumption. I about, don't think there's anything wrong with a double sandwich. Well, inevitably, your, your evening sandwich is going to be better than your lunchtime sandwich. Especially if you come here and don't Absolutely. return to Boots. Or, <laughs> Who buys sandwiches at Boots? In a fucking pharmacy. Of course it's shit. Oh, God. Uh, where did you... Wow, this sandwich is terrible. Where did you buy it? The pharmacy. All oh, right. Uh, Why did you buy it yeah, yeah. Well, I was due with prescriptions. I thought I'd get a sandwich at the yeah. same time. I saw yeah. a comedian do a sketch. This um, Asian comedian came over and said he brought, he brought his brother over from Japan, came over and took him to Boots for sushi. And he said, literally, he was booking <laughs> the flight home. He was like, yeah. I've just bought some Calpol. And, Fuck you know what I mean? your country. Yeah, please. I am 
out of here. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I think we should dive straight in with Max because I think we're going to have a bit of a good crack. So I think we should go. We should go straight in with. Um, Let's do it. We're going to we're going to ask you about your very first food memory. Whoa, my very first food memory. Take your time. Let it all come God. flooding back to you. Tomatoes in the greenhouse. Oh, getting covered in goo. Trying to eat artichokes. Sit off, obviously. Stupid fucking idea. They are unbelievably bitter. <laughs> and they're spiky. Yeah, they're horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, a, not a good place to begin. So wh- where's this taking place? And, you know, Somerset. Yeah. Somerset. I grew up in Somerset. Have you got a greenhouse? There was, yeah. Not now. My parents, we lived in like a house more out in the countryside when I was really little. And then latterly... Move, my mum and dad moved into a little town where there's like way less space. In a boots. And they're, oh God, do you know there is a boots? So you can always get lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Never without lunch. Um, yeah, so we are, yeah, we're, we're in the countryside. Yeah. And you've, what else is in the greenhouse? What else is in the greenhouse? Bags, like lingering cigarette smoke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Pops. know. What. Yeah. It's, a, it's a thing of the past, the greenhouse, it seems. Yeah. It does feel a bit like It's that. like when I was young, I, I, all it was was greenhouses in every garden. It yeah. was like the mischievous thing was smashing a greenhouse. What is that? To... Are people growing less stuff or are they growing different stuff? Or I think it's that? coming back a bit down here when you're in a big city, you kind of, you know, because it's cheaper to grow your own stuff. Yeah. But I remember when I was a kid, my, my granddad would have a greenhouse and you'd, you'd have loads of trophies in the front room, like giant leak winner, runner up. Yeah. Like I, um, I once was one of the judges at Britain's biggest fruit and veg competition at the Bath and West showground. It was fucking hilarious. I met, there's this mad Welsh bloke. So there's this guy, right? He's, a uh, He's grown Britain's biggest Swede. And uh, I go over like with the microphone. Oh, congratulations on your win. Uh, does, does your Swede have a name? And he looks at me like, what? And I was like, does your Swede, does it have a name? Like, like Bjorn or anything. And the guy goes, why do I, why do I call it? Bjorn. Oh, no. And, and I was like, right I don't know, sorry, head. mate, I don't mean to be rude. Uh, you know, I was only joking. And he was like, well, no, I wouldn't want to upset it. And he's like, but I do have a turnip called Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) Radio gold. Absolute. Absolute, man. How the hell did you get roped into that? God knows. I used to do loads of stuff for the Bath and West showground and like, you know, sort of hosting little stage stages at the Bath and West show and all this kind of jazz. And yet just one year I just lucked out. I got to be the kind of compare slash interviewer guy for the giant veg competition. And it, it, it's such a cool time of year in Somerset where, you know, you don't see many extraordinarily fascinating things out on the road. It's your regular cars, lorries and tractors largely. And then during this time of year, you know, casually driving from Castle Carey to Wing Canton and there's a traffic jam and as you go around the corner you can see like a Land Rover with a trailer with Britain's biggest pumpkin <laughs> on it and seriously they have to move them around with forklift trucks that is insane uh, it's, it's so cool uh, it's it, it, a genuine piece of kind of people surrealism. take that seriously it right? do yeah it must be an obsession though it must if you, be if you've got that it must be every morning going out to look at it going you're getting massive do you yeah. know what I mean it's like you have <laughs> yeah. literally well done Lucy yeah. you know, patting it go on girl go on Beyond. and yeah they're, they're like 
12 foot beetroots and stuff. They like grow them in drain pipes. Uh, like, it's proper. The Bath and West show is a wonderful thing because they got all the, there's all the animal stuff as well. So you're like, do you know, agricultural fair, six foot high cows, and there's guys like hoovering them and stuff like that. The biggest chicken you've ever seen, and they all come together in one place. One enormous, it's like fuck Glastonbury, mate. Everyone is going to the wrong festival. <laughs> is it just for one day? Because this sounds like no, a it goes, fortnight no, of fun. Yeah, it goes on for oh, at least no, at least three days. Like, it's it, it's brilliant. Oh, it's, the hangover after that. Mate. I went to um, I went to one in Cumbria in the summer, and it's the first time I've been for years and years. And they've gone a bit upmarket because I remember when I was going, it was just like the young farmers, you know, like all getting steaming in, yeah. in a tent. And it was just, it was. You see these like three year olds who've been given their cow by their farmer dad, and they've got to march it round. So there's this like cow that's like triple the size <laughs> with this little kid dressed like John Virgo in like yes. a, in a waistcoat yes. but the best thing is that's such a good description because they are dressed up like that they literally no. like, they've, got the, they've got the Sunday best on yeah. and this cow yeah. fell down and then he, he looked at his dad type thing and the, and the dad looked at him like you know what to do and he just smacked the cow just smacked it in the back of the ass and the cow bounced straight back up and he's back on form and he's oh. walking straight and he's focused but they are very surreal things but when you go there you've got to take that seriously because I think a lot yeah. of people from like London cities would be like ah. but actually they will they... well bearing in mind the people doing it are taking it seriously if exactly. you don't you're probably just a bit tiny bit of a prick or yeah whatever. exactly because that is there is it has taken Nine months to grow that pumpkin or whatever. I like, I, I went, uh, I was in Texas a couple of years ago. Like some friends of mine moved to America and, um, we went to a like proper rodeo in this place called Cornrow. Um, and before like rodeo there, it's, ma- it's, it's a, like a televised event. It's huge, and big, like, big things. Isn't it's it? a huge thing. And like massive sponsorship, TV cameras everywhere, like, you know, national anthem and all this kind of jazz. And, like the bulls have a scoreboard as well as the as well as the riders. And before before the kind of the adults came out, they announced that it was time for the rodeo juniors or something. And it was kids on pigs. It was kids on pigs. Kids it, on pigs. pigs. It was Hashtag so that. cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Did they get hurt? Was it like I a, would imagine? Was, <laughs> like, yeah. Literally just a rope tied around a pig with a Kind of four-year-old holding on to That's it. bad parenting. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, like banging your kid on a swine. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. like going... <laughs> for national it. amusement. Unbelievable. I mean, going back to the first food memory, like we talk about the greenhouse and that kind of thing. A lot of people, when they talk about it, it's, it's the smells as well. It's kind mm. of like, when I look back, going back up north, and like my granddad's a greenhouse, it was that smell of the... You know, with the tomatoes and all that kind of yeah, stuff going yeah, in yeah. there and all the kind Beautiful of the smell. feed. Yeah, unbelievable. Mm. And I, it's the vinegar. Tomatoes and vinegar we used mm. to have and that kind of like, I don't know, brings back the food memories. It does. It does. So who who was the cook in your house growing up and what, what was but, what was food? Both my mum, both my mum and dad. Quite relatively sort of Mediterranean-y, not tons of I meat. I like the way you said that. It's uh, quite exotic. Uh, yeah. Oh, like just loads of beans and pulses. Cheap shit, oh, right. basically. Cheap nice. shit. And not, not a lot of meat. Like, not veggie at all, but yeah, yeah loads of stuff from the garden. Because, you know, we lived in the middle of nowhere. We had a fucking enormous garden. Like, leeks and garlic. Like, stuff that is actually genuinely useful in the context of cooking, rather than, like, things that were just a dish. Which I always think, like, beetroot is a funny thing to grow at home because you have to, like, literally eat it as beetroot. Whereas if you grow garlic, leeks, 
onions, whatever, stuff like that. You're growing things that can flesh out like everything you eat all the time. And so, yeah, it was tons of that. They, they had a massive garden. So, so having that growing up, were you a fussy eater? No, not at all. So there's no problems for your vegetables? No, I hate cheese and still do. Yeah, we've, we've heard. Uh, but that's it. I mean, when I was a kid, I was really bad. I didn't even eat mozzarella or whatever. Now I'm like, as long as it's melted, I'd yeah, eat, I'd have a stinking bishop or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I just hated cheese. But apart from that, no, I've always eaten anything and That's everything. quite mad because like, it's almost like, being trait like that, but seeing it all, do you know what I mean? Because a lot of people, a lot of, funny enough, a lot of chefs we've met have been saying, oh, wait, I was really fussy, I was really this. But when you've got the pulses and you're seeing, do you know, it's almost spoiled because you're in the garden, you're seeing yeah. it, you're seeing it naturally grow, you're seeing how yeah. it is. And obviously, I hasten to add, they were not growing pulses. We were eating like tin beans and shit. Oh, right, yeah. But like also being, living in the country and that, seeing the, um, you know, seeing cattle, seeing, you know, yeah. where your cows and that come from, where your sheep come from. Yeah. A lot of people didn't in cities, so. No, and I, I, I had, in that, in those ways, I actually had quite a, like, rural upbringing. Like, at the end of my mum and dad's garden, they were just backed onto, like, fields. They lived on the, in a tiny sort of hamlet or whatever you call it, a group of, like, six or seven houses on the outskirts of a, little town called Shepton Mallet and you just go name. sorry great yeah. name Shepton Sh- and Mallet yeah and do you know l- known colloquially as shit and smell it and <laughs> that was brilliant <laughs> yeah did they have a father side team yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I used to walk like on my own even pretty young far six seven years old like down to Mr Godfrey's farm the other side of the field and go and like help milk cows and all that stuff like it was really like quite idyllic in that in that way to be honest we're quite lucky and then when did you move after that? Like more, did, um, more of a town or a city? No, no, yeah. And then after that, moved more into a little town. And then I moved up here to go to university in 2000 and lived here in Finsbury Park ever since. Wow. So do you think having that kind of upbringing was where your interest kind of made its path into food? Yeah. I don't, like my dad's a wine journalist. So I kind of grown up in quite a whiny, foodie world anyway, I suppose. Like lots of holidays were, you know, going to France to go to vineyards, basically. And then going and having lunch normally somewhere boots. where someone from the vineyard, yeah, pick up a sarni from Boots, Le boots. sit in the vineyard, <laughs> Le Boots, put your feet up outside Le Boots. In, was, uh- <laughs> was that... Um- was that enjoyable for a younger person to go to a vineyard? Because I remember being t- like, now I would love to go to an antique shop. But when my grandma and my mum used to go to an antique shop, I'd just literally go in the corner and mourn. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Is it like, was it an enjoyable thing or was it just yeah. an eye opener? Yeah, it was, it was great. Like, I don't remember, to be honest, I don't remember there being anything negative about it. At all. That's too much wine, that is. One of my really, yeah, no doubt. When you're seven, I do one. In fact, one of my, one of my earliest food memories is my little sister, Lydia. Uh, I remember we were, we'd gone to some vineyard and we'd gone for lunch somewhere, me and my sister and my mum and my dad afterwards. And we were given, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't really know what it is. And so we're just eating this stuff. And I said to my mum, like, what is this that I'm eating? And my mum said, like, I don't, rem- like, I don't remember her saying that it's, it's called Riette, but my mum obviously said it's Riette. And then my dad had started to explain what Riette is. 
and my sister, age five, had gone, oh, squashed murder duck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get in I, I there. Fucking, I really remember that. God, I haven't thought about that for so long. Yeah, squash murder duck, and there we were, like, oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> so you've got quite, it's quite a... Yeah, complicated palate at that age as well, because a lot of I kids would so. be having beans and For duck and, and fat. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah and going <laughs> yeah. away. But then a bit of wine when you were 12, like the French, when you were over there? Or not, was it like very much really. your dad was like, no. strict? Yeah, it was much more like cans of lager at school was my exposure to alcohol, not like yeah, me too. a little glass of Gevray-Jean-Bertin from my dad on fucking holiday. It <laughs> yeah, wasn't like, no. Make sure you spit it. You swirl <laughs> yeah. and spit. Yes, dad. No, no, so no. There was no like wine as a little kid, really, to be honest. Oh, God. It's frowned upon, isn't it? You can't. But get, I remember, get I remember got a I mean, they always say that it leads to them drinking. Like having less of a binge drinking culture, don't they? That's the, that's the claim. Yeah. That's the that's the claim. That's the workaround. But I remember going yeah. to France when I was a kid and seeing kids drink in like with their parents and stuff when mm. we were going to have Brittany and women. And I was just thinking, she's mad, mad. Because I was like, where's the buzz? Yeah. When, when you're 12, you don't want you want to do it secretly in a graveyard. Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to do it. You don't want to have and like, you want to sherry have your nana. Out, yeah. of the, out of the spirit cabinet. Exactly. And fill, the, fill it back up with water because you think they won't realise. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or smashing Baileys, a bottle of Baileys at 13. It's not good, oh, is it? God. It's not really. Not no. good. Not good. But speaking of the school years, mm. we were packed lunch or school dinners. School dinners, mate. School dinners. What was Always. on the menu? Fuck no, the regular stuff, right? All the same crap for all of us, I'm sure. Oh, I was really hoping you'd be a packed lunch guy and that's when the love of the butty came. No. I do remember my mum... In Shepton Mallet, there was a deli and my mum always used to go and buy, you know, slices of chorizo. And I do remember eating like granary bread, chorizo and coriander in sandwiches as a as a really young kid. It's a strange combo. They all chopped herb just in there. Yeah. It's quite Portuguese now. Like You've, he's got a really, really good upbringing on food. Like a really yeah, good, I think like, I was exposed to quite a lot. And I, I think now it's like, you know, I have this rule, like the sandwich rule, hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft. The six. And the I want six. the six sort of magic things that lead to delicious. And I wonder if that, I don't know, the fact that that's how I see food as that like whole thing with kind of texture and I think it's sourness got to, it's and got temperature. To yeah. it's got to, something's got to mould you when you're younger. You've got yeah. to have that love of food and it comes in, I guess, through... You know, a, a parent, fine a wine friend, in France. fine wine. But go yeah. to a vineyard. Most kids, you know, will have gone to you know the shed at home in back of the garden, and that's yeah. the kind of exposure. And, and I, I think it's funny that it is. There do seem to be these two ways. Like you're saying, there's a lot of chefs when you talk to them had have had like unexpectedly unexposed childhoods to food. And stuff. the first time that it was in and the kitchen. Yeah, and it's that then through going to get a job in the local pub or whatever it may be, that they've kind of got into food that way. Whereas, yeah, I feel that for me, it was much more like I'd finished university. I literally no idea. Like I did ancient history at university. I was like, no idea. Like, wow. The- pick it out of a hat. I, yeah, I could do anything. That's what so many people do. They pick something in university just because they have no clue. You shouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. choose at 16 well, yeah. or 18. What do you want to do for what, the rest of your what life? What do you want to do? You know what? Yeah. I've seen Time Team. That's me. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, I want to be Tony Robinson in <laughs> yeah. Time Team. He's going soon. Let's get in. But I just, so I left. 
I left university and I went to work in a publishing company and I did six months and then I just thought, fuck this, I'm getting out of it. And I, I knew, I knew I wanted to work in food. Like I didn't know what. Are you in London at this point? I am. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm in London at this point. And then my, my friend, Harry, him and his parents had a little, you know, like family business restaurant with four rooms in Herefordshire. And I just said to him, like, I would, I want to learn to cook. Can you teach me? And I went and I lived with him and his parents in this little hotel for a year. And Harry kind of put me through catering college. Like he taught me, he was kind of classically trained in the South of France as a chef because he just, he, he like he grew up down there. And so he just taught me like, you know, all the, how to fillet fish, how to make stock, how eggs work, what to do in the Hollandaise splits, you know, all that kind of like proper kind of catering so college. So you're living in and that's your living, in, living and breathing it and with is, Harry. Yeah. And he taught me how to do. Sounds like a film that, doesn't it? Everything. Living yeah. and breathing with Harry. Living and breathing with Harry. So, so that, that's your first job in a kitchen, essentially. Yeah. 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 And it was great because it was only like Harry and a KP. And so I got. Sous chefs instantly. Yeah. Walking into it. Swanned into sous chef. (laughs) And who does that? (laughs) Yeah. Jammy bastards. Um, I think Carrie just needed someone to piss about with, to be honest. A mate there. Which was really, like, was really lucky. And and yeah, I don't know. It just turned out I had an affinity for it, I guess. And I really, really, really enjoyed myself. So did you, were you experimenting with stuff there? No, it was much more just like learning to do stuff. And like, he was very much the chef. Like, it was much more like... You do this. You do this. I've you how to do it. Don't, Don't mess it up. Exactly, yeah. It was much more like that. And then after a year... After a year there, I knew that I wanted to work in the food business, but I had not settled on restaurants yet. So and you've just got this conversation going on in your own head about, yeah, you know, it's going to be in food. But it's got to be in food, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know in what way. So I then, I left, I left Harry's after a year and I got a job uh, working in a deli to kind of check out, you know, the retail custom more customer facing side of the food business and then while i was working in the delhi which was in somerset i was and so 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 i got exposed to cooking quite a lot at harry's and there you're on the welsh hereford border like it was so cool like the postman the postman grew loads of the veg and stuff like that it was so wonderful and um uh, anyway, so why not? I, and I was working in the deli and I was unpacking these boxes of chorizos into a fridge and just looking at all this stuff that had turned up in the delivery, thinking like, oh, this stuff looks nice. And I read on the on one of the packets of chorizos like imported by Brindiza. And I thought like, I have never heard of Brindiza. And so when I went home, I looked up Brindisa on the internet and on their website was a job, like an advert for a job for like a junior sales position in their office, selling food, selling their food to restaurants and delis and stuff. And I thought, well, that sounds fun. And I applied. And then like something rather wonderful happened. I went up to go from Somerset up to London. I had an interview. And then in my second interview, like one of the kind of big wigs from the company was in the second interview 
and uh, and he asked me to describe how I felt about like olive oil or something. I can't remember what it was. And I just said like, oh, I fucking love it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh God, uh, you know, oh, I shouldn't have sworn. And I thought like, oh, I've cocked it all up. And then, uh, they, they, but everything seemed fine. And then we all shook hands and... He knows what chefs are like. And though. I left. He knows that they'll love it if you yeah. go, this is fucking... And then, and then, and then when uh, I got a phone call like two days later to say, you've got the job. And I was like... You, I'm really sorry about the swearing. And, uh, and, and he said, uh, he's called James Robinson, he, a wonderful man. He still works for Brindy's now. And, um, and, and he said, do you know what? I'm not going to lie. We interviewed 20 other people on the day and you were the only one that didn't use the word passion. Wow. And, and I had said, I fucking love it. That is the passion. I I have a passion for Spanish food. (laughs) And no. And, and so they were like, that's why you got the job. No, I'm going to take that note there. I'm taking that. Keep that away. Get Get the passion at all. Not to be scoffed at the potty mouth. (laughs) You've been swearing ever since. I've been swearing (laughs) ever since. I remember getting trouble at like really quite young at school for having such a foul mouth. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> We've all got a weakness. <laughs> Your Mine's, yeah, <laughs> expletive based. <laughs> so how, so how was that then? From because basically, so you've seen you've seen this thing with Harry for a year, where it's like you've got discipline, you're in there, you're seeing how it's actually learning works. to make stuff. Because I think that's what a lot. I think when you're trying to sell the food to chefs, there has to be that respect as well. If, if they know that you've done it and you know what you're on about, yeah, you know, rather than and, being a sales guy right, that works and, in Argos that's gone straight. Exa- to- and, and that is like I have to say as well, just something else that was amazing about Brindisa that we there was like a budget for the sales office to go out and eat because Brindisa I'd, I'd like the most wonderful sales policy. Like you don't phone anyone up; they phone in. And your job is, as a salesperson, was like when people phoned in, your job is to kind of try and sell them more. Yeah, they rather al- than, already want to buy. Yeah, rather than Inbound like sales. cold calling them and pissing them off. And so we we had this budget to go out and eat, so that you know when you know at one when I was working there, I think we were selling food to every Michelin star restaurant in Britain. I, it was amazing, like the exposure. And that was wonderful for me. Like that's where my kind of net, my network of contacts or whatever in the industry, like really, really started building. Cause you know, you've got Phil Howard himself, like phoning in to place an order for stuff and, and having a chat for, about it for you. Yeah. Well, he's asking for anyone. Like everyone in the office was as well trained, as knowledgeable about the food. And Who's we, that kid who swears? Put him on. Yeah. Yeah. What was that potty mouthed one? The, um, but it meant like, I don't know. So someone phones in and asks about some vinegar that because we were going out to eat all the time. We'd be like, oh, so, you know, last night I had this with this in a way that I would never have thought of before. And Brindisa was so liberal with like sending out samples and stuff that just like I had this amazing fish thing or whatever. And you could just send them bits and bobs to try. And it was like it was such a wonderful way of of selling stuff. It's like a fantastic job to have after that as well, because it's yeah. like you've done the 12 hour shifts, five days, six days a week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, then yeah, going yeah. into that refreshing <laughs> yeah and that so then i i did that for two years and then i left to set up my own company which was a disaster but anyway sorry ben what were you gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say so 
when you're getting all these combinations and, and, and flavor profiles mm. and stuff from from your sales job, mm. but are you cooking? Yeah, cooking loads. So uh, you're just doing that. It's like cooking an interest. Shit loads at home, like every night. Um, the and because Brindies will give you a, like a real. I can't remember what the. They basically discount the all of their food to the to just above. The cost, the cost yeah. to literally just above cost. So, so it makes so, you go home and want to cook. So with it. you can go home and cook, you know, at for half price, all of like the best food from Spain. So what, what were you cooking? Just everything. Loads of beans, loads of pulp, loads of like chickpea stuff, loads of meat things, lots of bacalao stuff. Like, I mean, just, just tons, tons of stuff. Like everything that Brindisa has in its larder, we, you know, we had access to. So it could be like the best Spanish chocolate or, you know, amazing vinegars and oils. And it was just, it was so cool. And like the tinned fish. Because, you know, there's that wonderful, like the Spanish and Portuguese, where canning is a... They do it so right. It's compared, a form of preservation. They? Yeah. Like you want to eat. That it amazing looks, it looks nice though. Yeah, the, the way that, the, the way they do it, they're in their little glass, so you can see the anchovies, you can see the tuna. Yeah. It looks pink. It's got that really like nice dull yeah. pink. Well, yeah, we just bang it in a tin. Well, ours is like that kind of we're like planning canning food here's like planning for the apocalypse. It is, shit, it's war isn't it? stuff, isn't it? It's war. <laughs> the, it's yeah. spam and can't be. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so I wonder I wonder why that is. I don't know why that is. But I they're Canned stuff, I think, really is better. Like our sard, our canned sardines are John West. You know, theirs are from the Cantabrian Sea and, you know, like other best sardines you can catch and all this. Yeah, I think it is different. I think it's a completely different attitude to, to the importance of food. That it's about that they, maybe for us, it's more like nourishment and you're trying to make sure that you're guaranteeing that there's still going to be nourishment available when times might be hard and that there it's almost more like you're going to have something that delicious on a day that's quite grim. And I, do you know what I mean? I think it's about feeling more positive about food. I remember like there's this guy called Stephen who comes here, who's like become my friend. He sort of came in the first week that we opened him and his missus. And, um, I remember like the first time he came in here, I think literally either the first or second week we were open and he's having a, he's having a hammock and chips and he's from Newcastle and he, he takes, he takes a bite of his hammock and chip sandwich and eats it. And he puts it down and he goes, Oh yeah, that's good, man. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, thank you very much. And he looks me like straight in the eye and deadly serious. And he goes, do you rate Greg's? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a valid Legit. question. Do you yeah. Greg? Fucking hey, I do. <laughs> hey. Sausage, really. Have you had a vegan sausage roll yet? <laughs> no. Can't get them. Have you? Can't Have get you them. one. No, you could. Rare oh, as rocking all shit. Yeah. Don't exist. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so, we're, but we're, we've just left there. Where have we got next? Because you've gone Brind- from. Oh, Brindiza. You've gone from sitting in your own place then. Then I started. A company thinking I was a genius called Eager, spelt like reggae backwards, which was as, as far as I'm concerned, I think was Britain's first exclusively British artisan food wholesaler. And so I like traveled around Britain and I found charcuterie and beautiful like cold pressed rapeseed oils and ton- tons of stuff, amazing vinegars and things. 
And I set up market stalls on like White Cross Street and in Archway. Um, and what year was this? 2008. So it was before the British artisan trend, almost, really? I think a bit, yeah. And, and it turned... Ahead of your time. Well, it turned out that ahead of my time in an extremely negative sense. Because then... Like I was wholesaling to restaurants and delis and stuff like that, you know, basically trying to rip off Brindisi, I suppose. And um, influenced by, but it's sort of influenced by Brindisi, <laughs> yeah. And, but it, it turned out that really there wasn't the people that I was buying from were not producing in large enough volumes for me to be able to buy at a low enough price, and so I was basically having to sell the stuff at so close to the price that I was buying it at. That it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't worth it. I thought you were going to say people weren't kind of ready for it. People were well up for it. And I, I think that's another, the great thing about food is you can give people some to try. And so the truth is, it's like they think they're not up for it. And then you're like, no, no, fuck it. Just like try some for free. And it's like, oh shit, actually that's delicious. I'm like, I will buy that. And I, I think that's like, you know, in delis and stuff. Uh, there's nothing better than you going and they're like, oh, try a bit of this cheese or this, you know, whatever it is. It's just, and it, it works because it, you, when you're told about it, you can't quite understand the value of it. And when you try it, you can. It's immediate. That you're like, shit, actually, that is delicious. <laughs> and I, I would like that for my lunch. I went to um, um, Cartmel Cheese. Um, do you know? Do you know up in Cartmel? Yeah, we're long cloomers. So I live near. I'm from near there. Where are them sticky toffee puddings is from? Unbelievable. Never mind, long cloom. Unbelievable sticky toffee. But they've got the people who have there. They have like a little like um, yard, and they've got the cheese shop. And I went in there, and I was like, "This would be quite good for try before you buy." Yeah. <laughs> because it's unbelievable. Oh, wait, is that the cheese? It's got massive glass windows. It's on Huge. a corner. Yeah, that's it's absolutely stunning. And the guy even said to me, he "Goes, listen, mate, I'm not." No more. <laughs> because he said it's, it's about... <laughs> You're it's about taking 20. the piss. Yeah, I, only had, I only had three bits to say it's £29 a kilo. Woo. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. But it was so good. In the end, I went, it's the first time I've ever spent 40 quid on cheese. But I was like, I went home and I said to my dad, this was for you until I realised how much price it is. Yeah, it's now, now for me. <laughs> anyway. So that was a enterprise that you kind of slowly off, or did you do it fast, decided... Whoosh, no more. Yeah. Try, no, well, I mean, I just couldn't have, I wasn't making any money. I, just, yeah. I couldn't afford to live. Uh, so I just jacked it in. And then that was how I ended up getting into restaurants. Cause while I was working for Brindiza, this bloke called Simon Mullins and his girlfriend at the time, latterly wife, um, Sanya. So this guy, Simon had done the same job at me at Brindiza. And then he'd left and he, he'd set up this restaurant salt yard. And so when I first started working at Brindisa, he had just opened Salt Yard. And so we used to go on kind of, you know, sit at the bar and drink sherry and eat ham and stuff. And it was like they were buying, Salt Yard was buying tons of food off um, off Brindisa. Um, and so I'd got to know Simon particularly um, and, and Sanya and then latterly Ben Tish, who was the now runs like the Stafford Hotel and stuff like that. Um, but then was the head chef, had become the head chef of Salt Yard. And so I just phoned Simon up and said, like, look, please, can I have a job? I'm desperate. And he said, well, look, there aren't any front of house jobs, but you can come and work, like, come work in the kitchen. So you're back in the kitchen. And so, bam, I was back in the kitchen. And then after about 
three months, Simon and Sandia just said, like, you have got such a fat mouth, we want to move you to the floor so you can start, you know, talking to people. Selling, selling our bloody food. Yeah, and so I was, I got, I got, I went from being like a commie chef in the kitchen to being the assistant manager of the restaurant, <laughs> basically just overnight. And then, you know, and kind of, that was it. Then I did, I did other kitchen stuff after that, but working there then I was just, yeah. That did was, you love that more? Was, did you, did you? It's just totally different. Yeah, it is. I've yeah, done both, I like, it's a I like, real difference. To be honest, I like, I like the whole of restaurants because it was after, you know, I tried out the wholesaling thing. I tried out the retail thing. I'd, tried out the chefing thing, the front of house thing. And I, that was, that was when I sort of felt like I had had a view of the whole restaurant, the whole it. food business. It's like the final part of like the apprenticeship, isn't yeah. it? And now you've got all yeah. this experience. It's so funny you get all that from working, like you're saying about not being trained and how he was trained. Yeah. There's something about seeing it for yourself that I would persuade anyone who wants to do it rather than go to a college, do a thing, yeah. go and get a job. Yeah, man. mate. I even Early. went and worked in a pudding factory in Devon to have like, seriously. <laughs> what I, kind of puddings? Come on. Like, um, mostly like ice cream based stuff. They were like this company, um, you know, sort of pubs and things where you could buy ready-made thing with like a biscuit at the bottom and a bit of ice cream and some kind of creamy thing and some kind of garnishy thing. And you could just kind of take the wrapper off and send it out. Um, and so, I, yeah, I even had to look at into the kind of manufacturing side of it all. Um, and it was then, yeah, right. When I then got the job that Simon had basically given me, um, that I decided, like, that's it. Like, I'm going to stick. I'm, I like the restaurant bit. You found your thing. Yeah, and I've stuck with that ever since. Worked in restaurants ever since. So where was the, the light bulb moment for Max's Sandwich Shop? <sighs> to be honest, it was like the sight was the light bulb moment. So my original plan was I was going to... I was going to open a much more kind of conventional sandwich shop, you know, Parma ham and mozzarella or whatever in, in Soho called out here on the dance floor, which would have been You're good. pretty good. At, I think you're just getting to the names. It's, it's still, that's names. still my email address out here on the dance floor at gmail.com. And it's because in, in the early, <laughs> they, whenever I like, so often I'm on the phone ordering something or whatever. And they go like, and your email address, what's your email address? It's out here on the dance floor. And they're like, of course it well, is. Well, I, I picked I, it up when we first spoke. Oh, I was like you? in the office. I was like, do you know what Max's email he is? This, <laughs> he said this to me. And oh, I said, it's a joke, man. You don't want you and So the reason, the reason that's my email address is because there's, um, oh wait, hang on. What can I say? <laughs> He's going for it. He's going for it. Max has just literally left left the left He's the gone. table to go oh, and get us something. Something was on fire. So this is a, a CD single by the Detroit Grand Poobas called Sandwiches, and the lyrics. The lyric, I don't know if I don't, if you've ever heard this song before. The lyrics go: "You can be the bun, I can be the burger girl. Out here on the dance floor." we can make sandwiches. And so I thought, fuck it, I'm going to call my sandwich shop out here on the dance floor. That's quality. Um, and then... What a great front cover and, too. Explain the front cover. That's amazing. It's just like... It's a sandwich on, a on some scales. On some, on a, 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 why a scale? Why not a dance floor? Why I don't like know. A, did you, you print know? that out yourself? It's just like, it just like it Uncle Terry did like it in his garage, doesn't it? Doesn't it? it just like, Uncle Terry's been photocopying his like, mate's CDs don't worry again. About it. Don't, don't pay for it. He's got a PC. Oh, not kill one off. If traffic four is the karaoke version <laughs> fucking yes absolutely brilliant um so yeah the plan was to do that in soho and i'd 
I'd really only thought about sandwiches like in that context, like, you know, deli, what, what now I'm, you might call a deli sandwich. And, um, then it's like, it costs a fortune to open a restaurant in Soho, to open anything in Soho. And so I sort of found this guy that would lend me basically a shitloads of money, like 150,000 pounds. And in my last meet, and but you know, you've got to give 50% of your business away. And, uh, so it was in my last meeting with the guy. Oh, wait, it's not scales. It's an old vinyl player. I was thinking maybe it wouldn't be scales. Can you imagine what? that? It just, it just said, it just said in, in keywords. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? 1.2. <laughs> we can make 1.2. Yeah, it's a record really. player. Um, so in the last meeting with this guy, I just, I just thought like, what am I doing? Like, this is my first opportunity after all these years to kind of have my own business. And I'm giving half of it away. What am I doing? It's sort of self-defeating almost. And he can tell you after what to do as well. Yeah. And so I just said, like, you know, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to do it. Was that an awkward conversation? Yeah. (laughs) Really (laughs) awkward. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, really sorry, uh, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, so I didn't do it. And then I thought, you know, that's it. Well, right off the idea of having my own restaurant or whatever. And then wham, out of nowhere, my friend's friend's dad owns, owned this. And like all of a sudden I had this, I could get a restaurant in Finsbury Park or, or a site. I didn't even know what it was at the time. Just I, I was just told, like, there's a site in Finsbury Park. Would you like to go and have a look? And so I came and had a look at this, which didn't look like this, but it's just, it's, sorry, it's like this is a 30-seat restaurant. And I just thought, like... It's a restaurant before this. Yeah, it was called Chickadee's, Kenyan Chicken Restaurant. And, um, and I just thought, like, you can't... It's too big. You can't... It can't be a, it can't be a sandwich shop. And... So that was when I thought, like, I want to stick with sandwiches, but how can I make the concept a bit more? Right. But how can I make? How could I still have a sandwich shop, but have one that can be busy, that that can be open at night? And that, like, that's how I came up with this whole like they need to be a meal and they need to be hot and they need to be like um, they need to be complete with like the hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft thing. That's like my. That's my background cooking. That's like, that's what a delicious plate of food should have. And so, yeah, that, and then, so that was like the moment where I thought like, shit, I cannot do parma ham and mozzarella no, sandwiches like, at night. And I just, if, if you call, if you call somewhere in Finsbury Park out here on the dance floor, I'm just going to look like a totter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, like, I just like, you know, you got people coming in asking like literally, where is the dance floor? <laughs> and, like, uh, and so I, I just said to my mum, like, look, I'm going to do this restaurant thing. What do I call it? And my mum my mum said like because well, I only had enough money the first five months I was front of house on my own and there was just one person in the kitchen because that's best all way. the cash I had best way that's, yeah I, I opened this restaurant including the first three months rent I did not have to pay a premium or anything because um, it had been shut for 18 months so there was kind of no business to inherit and um, 
I opened it for 11 grand, which is like nothing in the... In yeah. It's amazing. Like in that's, no- that's Cumbrian prices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it was really nothing. Um, anyway, so I said to my mum, like, what am I, what am I going to call it? And she was like, look, because it's only you, <laughs> like every single customer is only going to see me. And so she just said like, look, whatever you call it, because you're the only person <laughs> that anyone sees, if you're doing your job right, everyone's going to say, let's go to Max's. Or just, oh, fuck it, I'll just call it Max's. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. That is perfect. And, and having that, if you'd have had the investment, the money, three people in the kitchen. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be this. It, it we wouldn't would, be no. sat here now. And because it wouldn't, it wouldn't be coming and no one had, people seeing you, it's like, um, there's that guy in New York and he's got a little pizza place in New York. He does the pizza show and he, and basically. Oh, you're Frank Pinello. Yeah, it's just him. Just he opened and it's literally he want you go in he stops when he wants it starts when he wants yeah but people when, I don't know people want it more because yeah. you can't get it all the time there's something yeah. about that yeah. when they come in it is it is you know it's having mates or tourists there'll be a queue outside the door he just uses his he uses like an olive oil bottle as a rolling pill, pin still does that chucks in a certain amount of pieces every day I think does 50 a day and that's yeah. him done yeah brilliant and it's just he's like boss, there's something, there's something that's, that's a business model that is, yeah. <laughs> he's but a it, man after my own heart <laughs> but if, this, if this was too slick it wouldn't have the same charm yeah, but I mean, it's charm that's the biggest no, thing no and it's you know it's like all this is all pallet wood that me and my friend Willie drove in a van around North London <laughs> like most of them come from Juicen the builders merchants where they were like yeah mate we got we got tons of them take them away and you know I made all the I made the lampshades like all of this stuff is off cuts from these things the tables and chairs were already here they're from well, Ikea nailed to the wall like this is just nailed to the wall yeah <laughs> like everything was kind of bodged and found and made and like Charm again, though, and actually, it's led to it it feels so nice in here. Just it's yeah, because it's sort of it's the right side of scruffy, and and it it just helps it feel really informal and a bit like it's not messy, there's just crap everywhere in a nice way. (laughs) It feels like you got it, feels like you got your house, yeah, yeah, and that's how I that's how I feel that's. That is that is how I feel about it. I feel like people who come here, it's like you've come to my house for dinner. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, and you're having a sandwich, uh, yeah. And you're having a and what is there? There's fucking sandwiches, mate. And that's it. <laughs> uh, you can have anything you want as long as it's a sandwich. <laughs> so oh, did did it. you already have the menu? No, no, no. I had, to, I had, I had, I had to come up with it. Yeah, I had to so come up with the, it. So you've got the site. You didn't have got the, the site. Ham, ham, egg, and chips. Didn't have the ham, egg, and chips. And then I got the site. Then I went straight, uh, like before we could start the building work and before I'd actually got the keys, I quit my job. Took three and a half weeks. How did you off. quit the job? Come on. Did, was it in style? Oh, no, no, yeah. no, no. Just a legit quitting. Email. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fa- I faxed a picture of my. <laughs> 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 no, I Urgent. just, yeah, I, just open. I straight up just quit. Um, and then my girlfriend at the time and I went round the southern states of America where I thought, like, they know a lot about sandwiches. And so I went sort of, you know, Carolina, Louisiana, um, Texas, and ate sandwiches everywhere and then came back here, like, fucking made about 50 different types of bread and I knew that I just wanted to find one bread and so it wasn't going to be sourdough and it was fuck 
fucking never over my dead body was it going to be sourdough. In fact, look, have you seen the T-shirt there? Fuck sourdough. <laughs> Absolute. <laughs> Honestly, though, it's like I grew up in a bakery. So mm. I've got, I'm from a baking family, right? And my, I remember telling my, they retired about 15 years ago because of like supermarkets came in and all that. This little bakery couldn't last. And I told my grandma, I said, you'd never believe it. Because when we were younger, that was the shit. That was yeah. the shit that you'd have a giveaway. It was dead cheap. I said, you never believe it, Nana. That's what it's about nowadays. She yeah. went, oh my, bloody your granddad. <laughs> she said, wait, but that's what was it that was about. Was your granddad? Both. Both. <laughs> same voice. Same voice. You, you, you worked with flour for 80 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, um, that's what I'm saying. So they were like, it's just the crap. So it was the tin loaf. It was the white loaf. That's yeah. what we used to have. Big, that was the fat, commodity. Yeah, big, fat, thick, white, straight out of the massive oven, loads of butter mm. and they used to cook a massive ham because it was like real mm. ham do you know what I mean cook a big ham out of the oven and then just put it on Christ oh, almighty yes. so good yeah so yeah anyway but, but focaccio you do focaccio right yeah yeah so how so you got to that and that, you literally tried everything right tried yeah give or take like every kind of bread I could make buy anything and it just turns out for me focaccio's just the best by miles i Pisses on everything else because it's it's got crust everywhere. Like that's the important thing. Like I always say, like if you're making sandwiches at home, the best thing is go to the supermarket. It's those little mini chia batters they do. Mm, those mm. are the best Perfect size as well. Perfect yeah. size for a sarni. Crust everywhere, and if you cover them in water and throw them in the oven, they go like super crunchy on the outside and stay real nice in the middle. I like they. It's, it's crust everywhere is what matters. Like that's why sourdough is, is shit because it's it's too chewy. It breaks all the contents of your sarni fall out, and it's got these massive air holes in it. Like so you see, the, you get the butter coming mayonnaise through. Mayonnaise or yeah. butter is all going over your hands and stuff. Like whereas you want something that it's encased. It's like almost like the idea of a sandwich made with sourdough is almost like eating off like a perforated plate, mm. which you would just never do. Like, oh, my plate's got holes in it. Excellent. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just weird. Yeah. I, the I crust is always really hard. It's like you it's break too chewy. And I, yeah, it rips and like, it's rubbish. Right? For catcher. In fact, I was, um, I did a uh, honey and co podcast a while ago and I, I was saying there like that that it's like the, the other thing about focaccia is this like malt loaf vibes where like you know when you eat a, take a bite of malt loaf and you've got the butter and you see your teeth in it it's like that's what a sandwich should do and focaccia lets that happen where you take a bite of it um clunk you just take that chunk of it God. and remove it and you can almost see like a teeth marks in the rest of your sandwich is wonderful. So how long did that, so you, that period, so you were doing this for how long? What? A couple of months. months? Right, yeah. right, in here on your own? Yeah, in here, at home, in other people, in like restaurants owned by people I know, like just anywhere, anywhere, anywhere I could, anywhere I could. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then, then you got, when you got that first menu, when you created the, well, the beast that is the ham, egg and chips. Yeah. Well, that was, was my first one. So... I went round like a big group of chefs and food business people I know and I asked them to write down three sandwiches on pieces of paper and give them to me. And literally all of them, all of them were like egg and cress, oh. coronation chicken. Back to the boots menu. BLT. Also, they went like... Uh, oh, yeah, right, all this stuff. And so that was when I realised like, shit, like no one's thought about it as like a plate of food. 
And so I wanted to do a sandwich that was like completely sort of archetypal British meal. And I just thought like ham, egg and chips, like the classic pub lunch. And so I then, because I thought like straight away, everyone sees ham, egg and chips as like a complete lunch, that a whole meal. And so if I could figure out how to make that into a sandwich, that maybe that would help people see a sandwich as a meal. And it worked. (laughs) It did work. Yeah, it worked. So Um, how, how fast from this period, from when you've got the restaurant and you're opening, how fast did the kind of... Well, the vice thing, the TV thing, the personality, you know, like people realising. Yeah, like not that quickly. Actually, do you know, like not that slowly. <laughs> I was going to say, like, because I remember when it first, it was we actually, first came about, it was... It was actually quite, yeah, it was quite quick. All started, like I got, we got reviewed in Time Out and that was like... Who? Ty- yeah, well, yeah. Never heard of them. And that was the first, like the first thing. Um, Confidence booster too. Yeah, massively. And then... By the end of 15 was when Our Christmas I won. Party was happening. Your Christmas party was happening. <laughs> was, that, was when, like, that was when I won the Observer thing, the yeah. best cheap eats. Um, yeah, fuck. <laughs> so cool. And it, I think it was that that really, it was winning the Observer thing where the other people that have won that award, you know, you're like Koya Bar and stuff like that, like proper restaurants. And I think that was the moment when all of a sudden, like many more people realised like that maybe it could be something they could have for their dinner. And I think actually, I think it's really that Observer Awards that just, that was when the, the, game, the game changed, mm. basically. Yeah. It's 18 months of working yourself. Like, yeah, no, I mean, not on my own. By the, by, no, no, by the end of 18 yeah. months, there was someone else working with me front of house. But. But, that, but being there all the time, it's like, you know, I remember when I first started doing my business, it's like, if you're doing it all the time, it doesn't matter because you're actually still buzzing off it. Yeah, it's still it new was wonderful. And it's like and exciting. You, and, yeah, and it's like, you know, now this has become the longest thing I've ever done for a living. The longest time I've ever had a job is working here. And... Yeah, but then, like you say, it's 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 so exciting, and like I don't know because it's sandwiches, and so many people have such an affinity for sandwiches, and everyone that that, that thing that their granny used to make them the all that they had in their lunchbox. Well. Yeah, first thing yeah. you can make is a sandwich. Yeah, two pieces of bread, butter, with butter stuff in the middle. between. Them. Yeah, it's and, literally, and yeah. that's why everyone loves it. Yeah, and so that is, you know, I've always found, and we still now. All the time, and people are just like, "Oh my god, that's like the best sandwich I have ever had in my life," and I just like, I could cry. <laughs> I love it. Down yeah, the knees. I just like I yes. <laughs> but it is a nice feeling, though. I, I always we've said to many shit. I think for me, I think that's why a lot of people who are creative go into food as well because it's people like people who are creative and do things that perform as musicians. So they like to be patted on the back a little bit. And yeah, so you're it's doing rewarding. well. Rewarding. And it's, I love it. I always go, I, halfway through the shift, I'm like, right boys, 10 minutes. I'm going around. Put yeah. the clean uh, top uh, on. Uh, it's, like, it's like Saturday night fever in the undergarment. <laughs> so that's quality. But um, so obviously the phone came. We want you on Vice. We want you on Munchies. I mean, yep, what was, yep. was that like a bit of a, it must have been a life changer. A bit. Yeah. I got quite lucky with the Vice thing. Because... Hey, let me get it right. It's this this dude called Dan. He, he I think he was working for Vice US, but he 
it's like his mum lives in Finsbury Park. <laughs> and so he'd come back to, to England to see his mum and his mum had said to him, oh, this, this guy's opened a sandwich shop. You should go and check it out. And it, there, there was just this dude sat for like a few, a couple of hours on his own up at, you know, up there, quite busy in here, but not too busy. So I had a little bit of a chat with him and he didn't say what he did for a living or anything like that. And then it was just at the very end of the night when he was going to leave, he said, oh, by the way, I, I work for Vice. You're quite funny. Do you want to shoot a, do you want to shoot a test? It's and I was just like, yes, please. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, um, and then I think the test was actually shown, was shown to Vice US. And they were like, you know, he's, no, we're all right, mate. <laughs> like, um, but sh- sh- give this to Vice UK. And it was, and that was how, that was how it all started. Then someone at Munchies, I think Phoebe, the editor of Munchies, um, got shown my little test thing and they were like, oh yeah, he is quite funny. And you just made the ham, you just made the, you made the trademark. Yeah. Them. And that was like my first video for them was that just make the sort of, how to, how, it was called a how to, how to turn a pub lunch into a sandwich. And that was, yeah, me, just me making, me and my potty mouth making the sandwiches. Quality. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, someday, bro, I just, it's just bonkers all the stuff that I get to do now. It's so cool. Like, just before Christmas, I, um, I set fire to a sandwich on live telly. <laughs> <laughs> was it sourdough? Oh, no. No, I did this like Christmas pudding sandwich on Sunday brunch. And, um, you know, you have like email discussions with them before. Obviously it's live telly, so it's got to be quite well planned out. And I'd with said, fire. and I'd said like, is there a problem with fire? And I got this email back like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was wondering, could I set fire to a sandwich on the telly? But they were like, yes, yes, you definitely can. And like, just off camera, like this dude there with a the fire extinguisher yeah. was awesome. Uh, and yeah, and anyway, so I did this, you know, a Christmas pudding's got to be flambéed. So a Christmas pudding sandwich, logic decrees, must also be set on fire. Uh, <laughs> do it. Uh, yeah. I want to eat it on a try the bugger. Yeah, God, I can't even remember what was in it. Christmas pudding. God, just I can't remember. Avocado. Christmas pudding, avocado, <laughs> and hammock and chip. Christmas pudding, crushed up biscuits, creme fraiche, covered in covered in brandy and set on fire. Yeah. Love Joy's beard went up. <laughs> yeah. You see, he didn't have his beard pre-Christmas. I, know, I, I saw some, you know, a 10-year challenge thing, and then someone yes. put some on the day going, picture of Lovejoy looking like Miles Kane, said Indy, <laughs> and he went... Tim Lovejoy, ten year challenge. Take your hat off, son. And he's just now, and he's just got now. He's just got this like old school beard. Looks like a, it's, uh, I like Lovejoy. I always did. Always did. Um, yeah, go on. So, what, so what's next? Because now you've got this kind of this lifestyle where you mm. you know part of your research and to find you know new inspirations is like it's, it's traveling to immerse yourself in the in the food of something that's new for you yeah have you got a list that you kind of want to tick off in your head have you no. or is it just kind of whatever's no. most random I, or i just think i think that the secret large i think that largely the secret to a happy life is knowing opportunities when they come along and taking them. And that's exciting and fun to think like, is this going to be awesome <laughs> or whatever? And so I don't, I, 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 I've, to be completely honest, I don't really have 
a plan or like an MO or and I just think that you've got to see what comes along and say yes to the right stuff. And so I think my plan is to say yes to the right stuff. But like beyond that, I'm not like I haven't I haven't not got a seven year plan or whatever. <laughs> I've got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well I think you're you're like you're having fun with it as well. Because yeah. if you're not happy, then you're not probably gonna be doing anything about it. No, and I think good. too too much of a specific plan of what one wants too easily leads to disappointment when those things don't come along, which invariably they probably won't. <laughs> and so, you know, don't, yeah, I think don't overplan. Don't, I, I've got no interest in sort of, of course, it's like my goal is much more to be happy, to be, to feel rewarded, to be creatively stimulated, like to be, do you know what I mean? Spread a bit of joy about and all that kind of stuff, much more than like, in by March, I want to have got this or <laughs> yeah. like that because you like who knows, and you're just it's so easy to be disappointed then. And I, yeah, I think you know, I want to enjoy my life and to be happy and to have a good time. And so, say yes to the right stuff when it comes along, and don't worry about it too much until then, because like I've got this. This is a wonderful thing to do, you know. And like I said, this is now the longest thing I've ever done for a living, and like. I just love the fact that you're still, you're still here, front of house, and you still yeah. people come in and like, because I think a lot of times people see someone, you know, if you, if say you're from Cumbria or something like that, and you come down to visit and you've seen you on telly and you're just like, yeah. I want to go there. Well, there's an extremely high chance I am in here. That's what I'm saying. And even if I'm not working, I'm sat at a table, skull inside her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's what I mean. So like people get to come down and that's the sort of thing, the treat, because I think nowadays, especially in the restaurant thing, it's all about expanding get bigger we need to be this chain I just love the fact about content and going well actually no they've got one thing that's so good that right. people will travel round for and it's special and yeah. it carries on right being and, it, and that that's that's a, a huge part of that is that it's that it's about enjoyment I don't have no like we do not have meetings about like how much the kitchen roll costs do you know what I mean it, who gives a shit <laughs> like I've only got one restaurant and luckily it, it's really busy and all that kind of stuff so I don't need to worry too much about how much kitchen roll costs whereas when you've got two restaurants or even worse three restaurants it, that kind of stuff like really actually matters like you really actually have to be extremely careful how much you're spending on kitchen roll and I don't want to care about how it's much. On, I'm it's on every table in here. It's yeah. on every table. Yeah. Full oh, roll. We do use a lot of it. <laughs> it's just a great. I think it's just a great thing. It's, it's an inspiring way to think about it. I think. Like, like, I don't. I don't. Ha I don't want any more restaurants. I don't want a chain of sandwich shops. I want it to stay fun, and that's why I'm in here. Well, it's know. not. It's not losing sight of what really works, and that's no. why I think if you add two or three. You wouldn't be doing it, the other things no. because you'd be too knackered, and you'd be and you'd be yeah, working and I'd be all cross. the time. You know, be, oh, you'd yeah. have to get an extra letter on the name. Max's Sandwich Shops. Max's Sandwich oh, Shops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, superb. Oh, superb. Yeah. Um, shall we, I'd like to know, we ask everyone where else they're eating in London. I know that you're a man about town. I know mm. you go out to different places, mm. including one of our top boys on here, Tom, Cornerstone boy, Tom yeah, Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where where else do you do on your, on your Sunday, Monday, I, Tuesday? I love Koya Bar. I eat a lot in Chinatown. I go to Green Lanes a lot. Um, and then otherwise, it's just more like on an ad hoc basis, something, oh, I haven't tried that place or like something new or something old. So you've got um, a lot of friends, because you said before, you have got a lot of friends who work in industry. So it's yeah, kind of like loads. when it pops up, when it pops up, we'll go there, we'll yeah, try that. Yeah. And I guess they do the same. 
when they come here. Yeah, and but for me, like in terms of where I mostly eat, you know, I'm on. I live in Finsbury Park. I eat in restaurants around here. I go to Jean Impression a lot, just by the Arsenal Stadium because it's, you know, it's a twelve minute walk from my house. Whatever. Go down to Green Lanes. I eat in Dallara. This is like Ugyu, um, sort of Turkish. It's basically the Muslim province of China. And so it's got this mad, like, yeah, kind of Turkishy Chinese food. It's bonkers. Like, absolutely delicious. Yeah. There's that one called Etlez Ugyu in Walthamstow that's, I don't know, crops up on Instagram quite a lot. Um, yeah, so I, I eat a lot round here. I eat a lot round here. And when I go into town, I go to Koyaba a lot. Um, largely because it's so extremely different to this. And uh, in fact, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, so I'd say Green Lanes, Chinatown and Koya are like my main, <laughs> my main thing. And then a completely random selection of other stuff. Hmm. Should you do a quick fire? Quick fire then, I think, yeah. I've, I've had a bloody good time. I just want to say that. Thank you very much. It's Thank been you. Great. It's been, oh, it's been superb. Um, go so on then, quick, quick fire. Quick fire. It is how it sounds. We're like a Gatling s- gun. <laughs> Be prepared. Yeah. You, you might want to stand up for this one. All right. <laughs> go on. <laughs> I haven't got my readers, so I might struggle. I'm going to judge. Right. Top three foods you can't live without? Bread, mayonnaise, gravy. <laughs> Lovely. I love the gravy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> um, Favourite food, guilty pleasure? Oh, God, there's so many. The Big Mac? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The first person that's had the balls to say that as well. Yeah. Not, we know that every chef does that. You know oh, mate, I mean? yeah. Are you, are you eating that sober or is it a drunk thing? I'm sober. I don't <laughs> mind well, both, quite frankly. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, now, now with like Deliveroo and Uber Eats, it's like McDonald's, McDonald's every time. <laughs> McDonald's bre- they're going to kill me, the McDonald's breakfast. I love them too uh, bloody much. My biggest kitchen disaster. Oh God, so many. So many. Oh, I, on, on the day of the, f- oh, what, of loads of burns. Loads and loads and loads of burns on the hands, man. It's like when I first started working in kitchens, at home, you're not used to putting a frying pan in an oven. And in restaurant kitchens, you put frying pans in the oven all the time. And there's just something when you open an oven and you see something with a handle, you just naturally like, Oh yeah. And I remember, I can't remember what the brand of Vogue is like the brand of um, Nisbet's Nisbet's trade. And I remember like one of my first ever shifts at salt yard. Fuck it. They got this like confit pork belly dish and you'd have to, we'd, we'd confit pork and like press it overnight. But then when someone orders it in the restaurant, you have to like, you put you put the cube of pork belly upside down in a frying pan and you like fry it for a bit and then you bang it in the oven. And I just put my hand in and you could hear and it was so hot. Cooking more than you the pork smell belly. it. You smell like your skin. Oh wait, oh I've got another. Oh my god, I just remember something horrible as well. I <laughs> remember meat slicer, not me, someone I worked with. Meat slicer injury. Where like horrible. Not like not looking, talk at you. Not looking and not using the handguard and Foul. Meow. always use the handguard. And like, yeah, the whole of the front they, they a, of like, this guy's hand, like a small bit like of one mil thick, like wah, and just 
Did you serve it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frickers was... sauté or fricassee? <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm having the perfect slice. He's doing ham and it just, oh, it just joins the Oh, ham. my God. It's like, oh, I can see it. It's all brutal. And then, and then here, we were doing um, one of the days of the photo shoots for the sandwich book, the first day. So really quite recently, like May, when we were shooting it, March, April last year, something like that. And I don't know, I was just really nervous. And I had this tray of mutton shanks braising in the oven. Nervous. And, <laughs> and, 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 and I, I don't know, it must be 20 litres of liquid or something. Oh, and I geez. took it out of the oven and I just dropped the tray. Oh. So back out the back there, 20 litres of muttony liquid everywhere it was like, yeah. just like oh, bring out the oh, kitchen roll oh. it was like dexter oh, yeah. Up, <laughs> yeah it was like uh yeah a sheep well, it looked like a fucking i don't know the mixture between a slaughterhouse and <sighs> and a greek bro. restaurant <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god um right not last um, no well third to last um three bits of kit you can't live without Oh. In a kitchen. In a kitchen. Deep fat fryer. <laughs> Firstly. Like all the sandwiches have something deep fried in. Um, deep fat fryer. Saucepan. <laughs> With a handle. Fucking enormous knife. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to eat the same meal every day, yeah. what would it be? Oh, God. Well, some kind of sandwich, I would imagine. I don't know. The same meal ever. Lunch or dinner? Up to you, mate. Oh. I'd your roast chicken, rice and coleslaw with soy sauce on the rice and hot sauce on the side. Wow. I like that. It's, I light. That, it's, it's, it's light. It's acceptable. And it, it you, could, could, you could have less soy sauce one I day more than next. That is my death row meal. <laughs> with right. roast chicken, rice and coleslaw with soy sauce on the rice and hot sauce. Yeah. That's that great. I'd eat every day. Okay, so... If you could share your sandwich, your signature sa- sandwich with anyone, yeah, who would it be? Elvis. Straight, out, straight off the bat. Elvis loved a sandwich. He loved a sandwich. He loved a sa- and he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine having lunch with Elvis. That'd be really <laughs> weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I want him full like, in his Vegas years. Yeah. They, I don't want you that would like, have, young whippersnapper yeah. fresh back from the like war. Like the parody and, of himself. Yeah I, yeah, I would, yeah, I would share. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he had the PBJ, peanut butter and banana. Peanut butter, jelly and banana was like... His trademark. Elvis's trademark sandwich. Before bed. So I guess, yeah. Although the burger, oh no, I'll probably try one of those, but like that Elvis burger. So you have a burger, massive burger with God only knows what in it, like things that people shouldn't really eat in that volume. And then the entire burger, bun, salad and lot, battered and deep fried. That's what he actually used to have. Uh, There's a documentary on Netflix or the iPlayer or somewhere with the woman that, was his cook for years oh, and like she talk it's, it's brilliant um yeah this entire so i guess that's what i would do i would share an entire deep fried burger with elvis in his vegas years i suppose you've got him yeah nothing <laughs> else would compare it, it? <laughs> absolutely brilliant max um it's been an absolute pleasure thank, thank you for coming on yes cheers, fun. cheers. Thanks, brilliant. Man. thanks very much man that was cheers, awesome dudes. we'll be eating um, we'll be coming up for sandwiches very yeah, very soon up, we'll have the elvis sandwiches. <laughs> we'll have the i'll deep fry you an entire oh 
Is that what we should do? Shall we batter and deep fry an entire ham, egg and chips? Special. Let's have a special, man. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. We're doing it. Thank you very much, pal. Cheers. Thanks. Till next time. Cheers. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what a bloody conversation that was. He, he, he does he does swear a bit, doesn't he? Maybe not as much as, uh, as me and you, but... I'm I'm sorry, Grandma. I'm sorry, Mum. So I'm going to say it. Um, yeah, it, it was it was cracking. It was really. This is the thing. You go in there with these people. You do it early. We always me and Ben Tennant asked to do it in early in the morning so we can just start our day in style. But it was unbelievable. So what highlights for you, Jordan? Come on, what, what top three? Give me a three. Top three. Well, obviously the sandwich chat was amazing because I grew up on the butty. But apart from that, which sounds pretty terrible saying I grew up on the butty, but that's not true. I grew up on the sandwich. Um, yeah, for me. Highlight talking about veggies' names. That's just quality. There's all sorts of things. But anyway, I want the listeners to tell me what they're like. Well, I, I like the, the John Virgo bit. But, um, you know, we'll come back to that. So, listeners, thanks so much for listening. Do subscribe. Do share it. Do tell everyone. Leave a cheeky comment. And we'll see you next time. Say goodnight, JV. <laughs> Good night, JV. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.